Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Just the Fitness Tip with Michael Ujoa and Jason Alls, Edinburgh's number one fitness podcast. And today's episode is a little bit different. We are doing our favorite guest sections. I don't know if that's the word you wanted to use for this, Jason, but we're running with it. It's not. No, I didn't want to use sections, but it's in the edit now. <laughs> yeah, Mitch, I think um, we started the guest stuff back in October, didn't we? Mainly to kind of, you know, shirk responsibility for producing content, wasn't it? We were trying to get more people to work for us. But it's actually been really popular, hasn't it? Yeah, agreed. I've, I've genuinely really enjoyed interviewing people. We've had some amazing chats. We've learned a lot. And it seems like the listeners of Just the Fitness Tip seem to be enjoying it as much as we are, which is what it's all about. Yeah, I've certainly enjoyed some more than others. Uh, that's <laughs> definitely true. This best of the guests, as we're calling it. Do you remember in the 90s? Maybe it's not exclusive to the 90s, but I'm thinking of like Friends, TV shows like Friends and The Simpsons. They would just do a clip show when they didn't really have much else to do. <laughs> and the audience never even noticed. But Mitch, that's not what this is. This isn't filler. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. And I think even if you have listened to these in their entirety, I think you'll still get something from it listening back now. Uh, so I hope that everyone listening to the show enjoys these kind of best of the guests. So first up, we have our doctor section. And within this section, we have Dr. Giles Yeo, obesity specialist and geneticist based at uh, Cambridge University. And we also have Dr. Natasha Lamy, who calls herself the fat doctor. Giles, within his episode, spoke about how body weight is not a choice and speaks about the role that genetics play within obesity. And Natasha was in talking about body positivity. There was some level of controversy around her talk on this morning with Phil and Holly and talking about whether all publicity is good publicity. Giles was our first guest, kind of. We had a couple of guests, but you know, our first official guest. And um, he told us, he, he came up with some great sound bites, including, you know, that genes don't make you fat or thin, which is why I'm returning the skinny jeans I just bought from ASOS. Chalk and cheese, Mitch, you know, Ebony and Ivory, Natasha Larmy, still a doctor, but very different, shall we say, presentation. To Giles. Um, as you said, controversial. She stirred up a storm, which is why we had her on. Um, and I think we did quite a good job. You'll listen in, guys. You can let us know if you agree. I think we did a decent job. It's, it was our most popular episode that we've ever done. Uh, so people were definitely keen to see what Natasha had to say for herself. So, yeah, I'm going to look forward to this <laughs> section, mates. Let's get into it. Just the fitness the thing that I was really interested in is when I heard the, the title that you have, which is an obesity geneticist. Is that something that you knew at a young age you wanted to do, or do you think that that was something that was in your genes? <laughs> I see what you did there. There seems to be this kind of incredible oversimplification when it comes to exercise, nutrition, and, and what we need to do to stay healthy. And I just wanted to know what your thoughts were on that. First of all, how can there be a biological uh, um, reason for your body weight because isn't it all about eating and not moving enough and and actually that is true okay from a physics perspective it is absolutely true that the only way that you're going to gain any weight is you have to you have to do this more than you do this otherwise uh, uh, that, that by the way for your listeners that man you have to eat more than you move sorry um, um for uh, in order to in order to gain weight and therefore in order to lose weight you have to do the opposite you have to burn more than you eat okay and there's 
actually no way of getting around that. That is the how, okay? How we get to where and what we are is going to be physics because it's a fundamental law. Why? Okay, and that's a more tricky question. Why do people behave differently around food? Okay, why do people prefer certain types of food? Why do people stress, uh, eat when they're stressed, but some people eat when they're not stressed? Then, from the energy burning perspective, why do some people appear more efficient? Why are some people fitter than others? What we know, what the biology tells us, is that the genes that play a role in your body weight primarily involve genes that play a role in your head, that's the first thing, and where we know their function influence your feeding behavior. And so by studying the genetics of body weight, we are almost by its very definition studying the genetics of how we, um, of how we react around food. And once again, it's not like there's fat gene and skinny genes. That's not what we're talking about. There are hundreds of genes that are involved. And it's your own personal mix of these genes, of these variations that make you like Goldilocks, small, just right, or, or large. The bottom line is this, okay? Put very simplistically, for certain people are more attracted, more driven, more likely to say yes to food. Other people are more likely to say no to food. So whenever I say, and I am on the record as, as, as saying this over and over again, like a broken record, that you know, body weight is not a choice. Our body, body weight is the function of thousands upon thousands of eating decisions you have made over the past two to three years. So if you are biologically 5% less likely to say no, okay? So you do the math about the calories, okay? So 5% over thousands, tens of thousands of meals is tens of thousands of calories that you suddenly are eating extra than someone else. Therefore, people in different shapes and sizes. So while each meal is a binary choice, the way that our body weight is regulated requires thousands of meals. So if you just turn on slightly or turn down slightly your attraction towards food, you are the different body shapes and sizes that you are. So if someone can say no 19 times out of 20, but the 20th time they said, oh, hang it, I've had a bad day, I'm going to have that piece of pizza, okay? But you do it just a little bit more than someone else, you're going to end up larger than someone else. And that's, so that's my, that is my point. There are going to be some people who will take the kind of work that geneticists do as a crutch, meaning that, hang it, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm going for a curry now because it's, 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 my, it's my genes anyway. People think that genetics is a point in space and time, meaning that it's deterministic. And there are some genes that are deterministic. So for example, can I drink milk? Now I can't drink milk as an adult. One gene, one single gene. So that is deterministic. But for what we are talking about here, this could be your body shape or size. This could be your fitness. This could be your willingness to exercise, whatever. These are complex traits, which means that they take hundreds and hundreds of different genes, each having a little subtle effect. One single gene does not play a role. Okay, that's the first thing. The second thing is genes do not function in isolation. Okay, this is the nature versus nurture argument because our genes, remember, did not just suddenly came to be. Okay, like, like it didn't. Your genes evolved and they evolved in adaptation to an environment. It got cold, this happened. Uh, it got hot, this happened. You know, you got hungry, this happened, okay? So your genes, and then you survived if your genes adapted enough to the actual environment that you actually live in. Because of the interaction, your genes that you actually look out do not give you a space and time. They bracket some possibilities. I do my hand of poker analogy, all right, where you can have a bad hand of genes or a good hand of genes, 
you can win with a bad hand of poker. It is just more difficult. Another example which I always give is I will never, ever, ever run as fast as Usain Bolt. Just never because of my genes. This is my excuse. But if I train, I will run faster than I do now. If I go and train, I'm going to run a hell of a lot faster and be a hell of a lot fitter than I am than I am now, even within my bracketed genetic possibilities. So I think trying to understand the kind of work that, that, that myself and other geneticists are doing is to understand your bracket of possibilities. You can use that as an excuse as well. Because of my possibilities, I'm always going to be slow. You're not going to be that as slow as you might imagine. You're still going to be able to move within that bracket. And so I think I'd like to think that I'm giving a positive message where, where look, this, your genes do not make, do not, you know, determine who you are. They just give you a set of possibilities. Get yourself picking the best possibilities possible for yourself. And I think that should be the way you use the information uh, um, um, you know, that we're providing. First of all, I just want to thank you guys for approaching me and the way that you approached me, because in the midst of all that kind of craziness, you guys were really so respectful. And um, that was, that was really me, good. by the way, for the that listeners. Was you guys. <laughs> sorry, I, I, yeah, sorry, you guys, I should say that very specifically to you. I'm quite polite like... as well, don't worry. <laughs> but it was great because it, 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 you're absolutely right. We, we're not always going to agree on everything, but we probably agree on like 98% of stuff. <laughs> So um, I'm a GP. I've been a GP for quite some time now. I've got 20 plus years of medical experience. So over the last nine months or so, I have been blogging under the pseudonym Fat Doctor um, because I am a fat doctor. And um, I am trying to bring an awareness about weight stigma, especially weight stigma in the medical profession and how it can potentially be very harmful. Can we just talk about the topic of you kind of calling yourself the Fat Doctor? Yeah. Because I think a lot of people looking in from uh, the outside on this topic and they're maybe not too clued up on the topic might think that it's quite a quite an insulting word to use when you're describing mm. yourself. So could you mind just kind of talking about that a little bit? I knew that when I went on social media, people were going to call me fat and they do. I, I mean, I get that the, mo the biggest insult that people use against me is the word fat. And, um, you know, I, I just figured I'm not going to let that word have any power over me anymore because it's, it's a very neutral word when you think about it. Fat just relates to the stuff that is, you know, here and here and here. It's just, it's a part of my body. Um, and the fact that we associate it with something negative is probably with why we've got into the situation in the first place. So I just chose to adopt that, that word to describe myself because I wanted people... Um, just you know to not hold that power over me anymore you know it's not an insult it's what I call myself uh, I don't call other people fat unless they use that to the, describe themselves in the same way that like when I'm talking about race you know I try and get a feel for how other people of different races choose to identify some people might say person of color some people might say black some people might you know I, I try to use the, the term that they choose I try to use the correct pronouns I try you know so that is the word that I use to describe myself uh, it's not a word I would use to describe anyone else unless they gave me permission to. Hi, Natasha. I'm yeah. Jason, the, the polite, charming one. <laughs> um, charming one. I'm well aware. I'm well aware. So Mitch has always gone on about, uh, always gone on about it, um, <laughs> about how it, it's detrimental to encourage exercise and healthy eating for the sole purpose of losing weight. Yeah. Um, uh, but what I wanted to ask you was, uh, do you think it's possible for the weight loss industry to exist in some form whilst also encouraging acceptance of larger bodies, variety in bodies.
when it comes to weight loss, I first of all am not anti-weight loss. And I think it's really important to say that I am not anti-weight loss at all. In fact, I support people who want to lose weight. Um, and I wish that I could give better support actually to people who lose weight, so want to lose weight. So should the, the fitness and uh, or the, the weight loss industry itself continue to exist? Absolutely. Um, I, 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 you know, I, th I think I think at the end of the day, there's not that much that the NHS can do. You guys are the ones actually that are providing the most amount of empowerment and content out there for people who want to lose weight. So I'm not anti-weight loss. I am anti-people trying to sell weight loss. And that's the difference. And it's the selling weight loss that I really struggle with. Uh, you know, it, it's, 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 it feels like a manipulation. And I think that people use health as a way to sell weight loss. So I'm against that, but I'm not saying that losing weight is bad for your health. I'm not saying that you should never lose weight. Absolutely not. I'm saying we should have body autonomy. We have the right to, have, to decide what happens to our own bodies. I have the right to say I don't want to lose weight, and you have the right to say you do want to lose weight, and we just have to agree, and we can both be right. I think people hearing you say that might say that that's a little bit contradictory to some of the earlier messages you were promoting. Some of the messaging you have been putting out is it does look very anti-weight loss. And I think that a lot, I think that's where a lot of fitness professionals this week have gone, what this person's saying, like no one can lose weight. Our industry just shouldn't exist because what we're doing is not right. And it, I think it's nice to hear that you, that you don't kind of have that view. You know, as you say, I'm new to this. I started, I had a hundred followers in January. I have almost 10,000 now. And so it's really important. <sighs> that I, uh, at the end of the day, I see all of the negative press that I've had. And I just think, like you said, you know, it was, it was a big scandal, but it got people talking about it. If you're telling me, I, mean, I don't know this, I'm not, I'm not involved in fitness, the fitness world enough, but if you're telling me that everyone's debating it this week, then great, everyone's debating it. I don't care which side of the argument they're talking about, at least they're talking about it. It's, it's interesting though, because the body positivity movement is definitely growing within the fitness space. Especially when I first started posting content on this, I did get quite a bit of kickback saying like, oh, you're yeah. a personal trainer, you can't preach body positivity. And I think that's completely wrong. That's all I do worry about, where they're kind of having these kind of uh, outlandish like arguments on social media, whether it does just, people will look at body positivity and be like, oh no, that's that topic where people say that weight loss is really bad. That means body positivity is a really bad thing. But the other side of the argument is that there are a group of people who um, have been marginalized for a long time. Um, and the body positivity movement, from what I understand, and I'm no expert, was started by fat uh, often black, often queer women who have been at the very fringes of society for a very long time. I think that it's important for the fitness world to be inclusive. I've always felt excluded from the fitness world until recently. The last few years, I've met people like you who have made me feel so happy and empowered. And I tell you, I didn't know that my body can do the things that it can do now. And that is one of the most empowering experiences of my life, being shown that I can do something that I never thought I could do. So all power to you and thanks to people like you. But what I'm what I, what I will say is that this message, this body positive message, which people are now adopting, which is great, it also kind of originally belonged to us. And we find it very difficult, us fat people <laughs> who identify with that body positive message. When we see thin people uh, or straight sized people um, using that message to their advantage. Now, uh, that's not to say that that message does not belong to everybody because it does the, the theory about body positivity should be universal but 
it's almost like we're being marginalized from our own community. Does, does that make sense? Whenever there's a collective of people who start in one place with, um, with a message, um, and that message is specific, I think you're, you're either going to get people who co-opt it and misrepresent it, yeah. or you're going to get people who don't necessarily understand uh, the things that come with it. So, um, like, so what you've said there, like for me, I, it's been super important for me in, in the world that I work in, whether it be you know, as a, an athlete or performer within the gym space, to um, give back fitness to people and um, for it not to have gatekeepers for it not to be elitist mm. for it not to be something that you have to qualify to be a part of but it for it to be a very personal thing and for you to describe it uh, on your own terms and and, and the joy that, that you can get from it and um, when it is your own personal experience but um i think it's just yeah becoming part of these tribes and these groups obviously they're, they're shorthand um mm -hmm. but um i think that's where maybe sometimes the confusion and the, the clashes come from Bear with me. Mm -hmm. I, I'm a fan of pro wrestling. And <laughs> in pro wrestling, there is a, a huge presence of um, Samoans. Um, and, and, and generally, within the Samoan culture, they're big guys. And, and unfortunately, there's, there's a lot of, there's a couple of high profile cases specifically with a guy. Um, his name was Yokozuna. It was, it was culturally tasteless because he wasn't Japanese, even though he was playing a Japanese character. Um, this is, he was. This is Sorry to interrupt, but this is yeah. this is back in the day. This is when I was watching wrestling. Yeah, because oh, yeah, I is, remember him. Yeah, Have you, early nineties. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Oh, early nineties wrestling. Oh, the glory days. Yeah, oh, the glory days. I, I love that you know what I'm talking about. I thought this would be me going on a kind of monologue. My sister um, had a, a poster. Just for, my sister had a poster of Bret the Hitman Hart in her bedroom for like years. I've got pictures of her posing in front of him and like. I've still I've, got that poster. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I interrupted you. Now you must continue. Yokozuna, no, that's where no you are. Uh, for Bret Hart, I'll let anyone interrupt me. But, um, <laughs> so so Yokozuna, although is an extreme case, um, he was 267 kilos um, and unfortunately passed away at the age of 36 yeah. um, of a heart attack. Um, his cousin, um, he was 188 kilos and he died of heart failure at the age of 47. Um, and, and I know obviously this is very anecdotal and quite specific. Is it possible that within these cultures who are accepting of, um, you know, health at any size, quote unquote, um, or are maybe dismissive of uh, weight loss culture, <clears throat> excuse me, um, is it possible that that has had a detrimental effect on these people within these industries and cultures? I think, yes. You, you cannot, when you say health at, any, at every size, um, I, I have a, a little issue with that word, actually, because it implies that everyone is healthier every size. And that's not true. And I cannot get behind that message because that's not true. I think you can be healthy at any size um but i also think that in order to be healthy at any size and that means from the smallest to the largest you have to a have lots of things that are out of your control going for you so you know if you have a really strong genetic history of certain genetic illnesses i'm not talking about weight now completely separate completely separate thing uh, you can't be healthy because it's your genetics um it's also uh, a lot to do with other things that you have very little control over like early childhood trauma so much wonderful evidence out there now that's showing what we've always known if you're traumatized when you're young that has a massive impact on your 
your health growing up and you can't control that um, your environment you know how much money you make all of that stuff will impact your health in a way that you have no control over but there are some things you can control and um health and, and health behaviors are, are, are you know the ones we mentioned before those are the things that are under your control so when we're talking about that you have to you know in order to be healthy at any size you have to be adopting healthy behaviors and if you're not so i'm not an expert in powerlifting but you know i wouldn't dream of ex commenting on that but if, are, me, so. <laughs> <laughs> if you're sacrificing things like um uh, you know good nutrition or um cardiovascular exercise or that stuff i don't want to comment because i'm not an expert but if you are sacrificing those things in an attempt to be something and um, then you're not adopting healthy behaviors and it applies universally right it just applies universally so it in order to be healthy at every size there's some things you can't control but of the things that you can control your healthy behaviors i would say the most important ones are get plenty of sleep make sure you rest eat a nutrient-dense diet and move your body regularly always um and that continues into you know until the day you die um practice safe sex don't smoke drink alcohol sensibly avoid substance abuse you know and there's uh, you know in, in, in engage with cancer prevention programs all of these things are health behaviors you can control and will make you a healthier person not every person is healthy at every size no way it's not possible you cannot be healthy at every size if your health behaviors are contrary to the ones that we know benefit you and I know it's very specific, but within that profession and within that uh, culture, uh, yeah. being larger is not um, necessarily treated. Or so, so being thin and small is not a, a desirable thing. And so, and, and people did say about, um, his real name was Rodney, so call him Rodney rather than, you know, call him by his, his made-up name. Um, people did say that he felt quite blasé about his weight loss because of the fact that he was for in an environment regularly where it wasn't something that people cared about and maybe that encouragement wasn't there yeah. i think i was just generically saying that if that was um widespread across uh, yeah. culture yeah. could that potentially be yes. a negative thing and i know i know what you're saying and i think this is the risk isn't it with body positivity and people always say to me oh you're glorifying obesity and that's not what i'm trying to do at all i don't think it's a good idea to promote any particular um size i don't like the fact that there are certain sizes that are promoted now that exclude people like me who genuinely want to be healthy but equally i think it would be bad if we did the opposite um that would also be very unhealthy um what i'd love to see is to take the you know to take the kind of to make it a bit more neutral it, it, that, that you know I, I identify more with body neutrality than I do with body positivity I see the merits of both but um, I want to be able to say um, be active do this do that this is healthy for you without size coming into the equation and I think you know I've noticed in my own physical body that um, as I have exercised more, my body has changed. No question, right? Like we all know, you know this more than I do, that your body changes when you exercise. So when I haven't been exercising regularly, I notice it in my body. Um, same goes with food. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say that I have a really, really healthy diet because I don't. I have a very, very, very disordered relationship with food that spans back, you know, several decades i'm trying to heal that and fix that so that i no longer have a, a bad relationship with food i can't do that through the usual methods that i've been trying up until now i've got to try a new way but 
um, I, so I don't want to promote myself as somebody that to look up to because I'm not. Don't look up to me. I, I am. I'm. I'm on a journey right at the beginning of the journey, actually. But so you know, we we can't live in a culture where obesity is glorified. We shouldn't live in a in a in a culture where that becomes the norm um, or something to be aspired to. Um, we shouldn't live in a country where being very thin and um, you know sometimes unhealthily thin is something to be aspired to either we shouldn't live in a culture where looking like Thor is something that men should aspire to because like you say that's not very realistic we should live in a culture that 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 encourages health and healthy behavior um in whatever way that we can so that's what i'd love to see so much most of the stuff we talk about on the podcast tends to be aimed at our everyday gym users exercisers but occasionally we'll get some high-profile coaches on who provide advice for other fitness professionals. And this section is littered with that stuff. We had the School of Calisthenics guys, Tim and Jacko. We had Claire Tracy, our strength and conditioning coach. And we had, of course, the king of kings, Phil Lurney, the coach's coach. And they all brought something a little bit different. Um, School of Calisthenics guys were really preaching this idea of, of uh, play, um, I think there was a great quote from Tim where he says, the fitness industry has made exercise boring. Um, and if you remember, Mitch, you asked probably a kind of Michael Parkinson-esque question, which was, uh, what is the calisthenics pose that gets the most likes on Instagram? <laughs> well, did we know that Jackal would use extensive data and analysis to actually bring us that? Um, he pulls up his Instagram and gives us the numbers. So it's good when our guests take us more seriously than we take ourselves. I mean, that's why we're in this, isn't it, Jason? More likes on Instagram. Yeah, data, facts, and figures. Claire, one thing about Claire, Claire said a lot of things. The main thing that she talks about in this clip is about what it's like being a woman in a male-dominated industry. She talks about how, and uh, you'll hear Phil Lerney going to talk about this as well, communication and how it alters depending on the people you're working with and she does mention that she works with american volleyball players yet she'd never heard of top gun she'd never heard Shocking. of top gun claire's someone who i followed on social media for some time and just seems super nice and really knowledgeable so but you know what i think is weird mitch you know that tom cruise playing volleyball on that <laughs> yeah that is not the ideal build for a volleyball player is it that's right. Okay, I was wondering where you were going with that. No, it's not. It's, um, it's a great film, though. But yeah, they, they all brought uh, a lot of years of experience to, to the podcast. Uh, Phil Lernie, especially as a guy I've looked up to within the fitness industry for some time. Um, back when I first started as a PT seven plus years ago, he was, he was already a guy leading the way on social media, helping to build coaches up and give them the tools that they need to succeed. He knows both Joe Wicks and James Smith. So we got some real kind of inside knowledge there, some awkward moments, um, let's say. And my main takeaway from the Phil Learning episode was to find out what the difference between a Canary Wharf personal trainer and a Soho personal trainer. And I don't know about you, Mitch, we learned, again, this idea of communication. I learned a lot about what kind of learner I am from Phil Learning. See, Mitch, you're more of the facts and the figures, and the information, and I'm more of a, like, <laughs> just made an indistinguishable noise. I imagine if you had pictures, you would show explosions and bazookas. So up until that point, I thought it was more of a kind of um, visual learner, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, 
they're all brilliant episodes and i hope you enjoy them all just the fitness tip we can all play everyone can play everyone knows how to play because we all started to play we all began to learn to move by playing and we learned social interaction by playing and social norms and hierarchy and all that sort of stuff you learn who's stronger than you by playing the fitness industry has just made exercise really boring and it's gone here's now a gym with loads of boring equipment which only moves in one way and we've now idolized or we've become accustomed to making fitness as easy and mindless as possible by going, go in that gym and sit on that machine and do 10, then go on another machine and do 10 of those. Like that whole thing just got ridiculous. Exercise class is fine. I want to go somewhere. I want someone to tell me what to do. But those have also now become out of the box off the solution, like solutions, which is fine. Like there's still play within them, but it's still structured where I think, the, the power of it is, is, is you've, got to, you've got to get rid of those shackles which tells you and these social norms of exercise. It goes, I have to, when I go to the gym or when I exercise, I have to behave in this way because yeah. that's how everybody else is behaving. If you look at how the human body is designed and created and how it moves and all the movement options that it's got, no one can tell me that rigid bodybuilding, sagittal plane, front to back exercise is the best thing for the human body. It's not. The human body has so much movement potential. So if we don't move in those different ways, we are basically losing the ability or what we are losing, what makes us primarily human beings and human movers. So I, I just think we've been taken down a, a, a dead end in fitness because we know gyms don't work. Like no, people aren't getting fitter and healthier. They're getting fatter and more unhealthy. Like we had one of the doctors that we work with, a functional medicine practitioner. She was like, we've never been more sick. So what current fitness is doing is not making us better. We're getting worse or lifestyle is making us worse. Would you, do you have any advice for any fellow uh, fitness podcasters? I, I, let me, Jacko, I'm going to let you give some detail on how we started it. But okay. I'm just going to, a bit of a confession. When Jacko said like, it was actually his idea to get kicked one off and he's like, let's do a podcast. And I was like, we're going to talk about calisthenics. People won't be able to see what we're doing. Like, how are we possibly going to make that interesting? Um, and now I love it, but we, I let Jacko tell the story, but it's, it's become much more than a calisthenics podcast. As you guys probably know, we just, mm. we have guests on and we sometimes just have a conversation between the two of us, but yeah, it, it started off from very, very humble beginnings, Jacko, didn't it? What is the one calisthenics move that gets the most amount of likes on Instagram? <laughs> I looked yesterday, um, uh, in, you know, like it gives you on Instagram, your, um, I, I can't remember what it is now. It gives you. I'm glad you're taking this jokey question on the, in, on the insights. I like oh, it. Yeah, yeah. It. yeah. It was um, over the. We, want, we need metrics, Jacko. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give I'm, me number. Is it a post of Tim or is it a post of Jacko? Here's your first question. Have a guess. Uh, oh, well, I wouldn't okay. want to suggest that. Somehow yeah, I'd feel really bad if I got it wrong. Influenced yeah. it. Well, you've got a fifty-fifty chance, and one of us is going to be pissed off. <laughs> Seeing as you're talking, I'm going to say you, Jacko. Go for it, Jason. Oh, gee, I'm just hoping I can get away with that. I'm going to go with 10. Just to, let's do it. Let's do it. Like, I can try and put something really, really thoughtful out on Twitter or, or something like that. And really kind of like, I'm trying to go deep with it. And then I just do a, pit, a video of doing a handstand off a step or something, a handstand push up, and it'll get like ultimately more engagement, which just tells you everything you need to know about social media. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've gone through a phase of, I used to try and write very poetic kind of copy in my Instagram posts. And then recently I've just been in a huff with it and just put like 14 seconds of me doing this and that's it. Just very literal. And it gets more. 
because some people just can't be bothered reading it, can they? They don't right. want to hear you. I listen to you on a podcast every week for an hour. I don't need to read a paragraph on your Instagram post. I, I was <laughs> trying to do some mini blogs on my Instagram and just put quite a bit of time into them. And I've not really, I don't really use a lot of my personal social media because just school of calisthenics is enough in my, like in my static in my brain. Um, but I just, I, I, I like, me and my wife, get, we just kind of play around a little bit of photography. And I took a picture the other day of a cow down by the river. And I just put a picture of a cow up and it said, and the caption was the original beefcake. Um, it got, it got, it got the same amount of likes as it would do if I spent a day writing a blog post. I'm like, oh, I just take To a be fair, that is quite witty, actually. <laughs> yeah. I have just looked, it gives you the option to go two years back. And this is, this is an interesting one that, um, this is deep research. But yeah, the, the number one one, 1.1 million. And it is, um from one of our old workshops um tim doing a frog to handstand but us explaining and coaching like why and how you do it which makes me feel good that actually it is the and interestingly it's not all it's not the ones that are top and not the ones with like shirts off and stuff it's actually the one where we're providing um help and insight into it. and it was that was just recorded from my phone at a workshop um, in your face I mean, industry shirts on but yeah you weren't expecting good. that answer were you no look at that yeah <laughs> i thought you'd laugh and say human flag to be honest a human flag um in a sleeping bag with your head on a pillow in a park that did do quite well as a photo classic we better get, better get learning jason coming into s and c i was like oh there's less females but i didn't see it as like an issue um, I just thought it's like subject choice, just not many females are interested. Um, and I think when I first started in general, I was quite nervous getting in front of groups and like my voice is quite squeaky. It's not exactly like, you know, a deep voice. You wouldn't have a deep voice, would you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be weird. You sounded like Jason. And so there were certain environments where I felt like my voice didn't project very well. And that's definitely something that I wanted to work on. But I, I don't feel like it was necessarily. Well, maybe it is a female issue. Do you know, there is studies on looking at what people respond to in terms of voices, and it is more of a deep voice that people actually respond better to, which is annoying. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think initially with being a female in SNC, I don't. I've never had a barrier to be honest. Um, it might be my perception of things that have happened to me. Like maybe if I if I didn't get a job, I didn't think it was because of my female. I thought, well, there's someone better than me, which do you know there's always someone better than you uh, I know other females definitely see that differently sometimes and I think it's becoming a big thing is um, it's I feel like sometimes they're creating issues that aren't actually there and I don't want to offend anyone but I think there's a balance of understanding why there's less females and um, how to enhance that number without it being fake if that makes sense like you know just getting females in for the sake of it do you ever find that men specifically might question your authority because you're a woman i think in my head it might come into play more like because i've got like this long blonde hair and then 
I'm a bit squeaky and I actually not this isn't me being like I don't look as old as I am <laughs> but you know, people don't think I'm as old as I am so they think yeah. I'm like this new younger kind of coach but actually I've got quite a lot of experience I think in my head that is my barrier like that is my perception of walking into a room I feel I have to prove myself more um half the time I don't think I do and I think that is probably my insecurity to be honest I've never had a really bad experience for being a female I think I've just had a couple of bad experiences from people being idiots um, <laughs> like I used to be a rower and with you're kind of a little bit more introverted and because you know like I was in my single like hours on end by myself in my own, own head rowing you're like you're a bit weird like you've got to <laughs> communicate with your own thoughts for hours then it was like going into say the rugby boys session uh, or the volleyball session and they're just completely different they're it's the atmosphere is just like more alive it was a team full of Americans basically maybe 90% were American so again that's even more enthusiasm into a room basically um, that scene in Top Gun <laughs> oh, wait, which? Oh, I should know this. I have. They're all playing it. volleyball. They're all playing volleyball. It's all just a bit. Everyone, everyone's oiled up. American. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like that. <laughs> well, well, I'll mix those two things. <laughs> those three things: volleyball, homoeroticism, and America. See, <laughs> <laughs> um, so like they're every rep they're cheering each other on so me as a coach I feel like I just need to it's like an act in a way like I feel like I have to be a bit of an actress and be more enthusiastic and be more out there than what my normal personality maybe mm -hmm. is and then I just go and sleep for days after <laughs> yeah. but there's this thing in our industry of just this whole we want things to be so uniform. We're like, what's the best diet? Depends. What's the best training? Depends. You know, what's the best thing for me? Depends. I don't know enough. I don't have enough evidence. I need you to tell me more about you before I can help you. Do you think that this kind of trend in recent years towards these, I guess, like influencers or people like, I hate to, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to say Joe Wicks. Like, you know, your Joe Wicks or your James Smiths. And, uh, I call Mitch. The housewife's James Smith, um, <laughs> just like a very polite version. That just that quote I heard from you really hit me was that it's not about you, and I think that that's really really important for a trainer is that they kind of need to sacrifice their own spotlight, so to speak, in order to in order for their clients to thrive. But do you think that that is suffering because of the kind of social media culture? You know, I know James, I know Joe, so. If you were to understand what Joe's about, I feel really Joe, awkward now. Sorry, <laughs> not, a, not at all. Because the, don't tell the them. Questions, these are the questions that these guys get asked, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and I've seen the evolution of, of both of them in many respects. And you look at Joe. Joe's never professed to be anything but what he is. Mm -hmm. The problem is our industry has assumed he's doing that. He's not. He's not a personal trainer. You know, how many one-on-one -on -one clients has Joe got? Hasn't got any. And he hasn't had one-on-one -on -one clients as, as long as I've known him. What about nutritional advice? Is he giving out nutritional advice? No, he's not. You know, he's put his name to some nutritional services that will probably help his kind of demographic. He's a perfect solution to a problem that they've got. Mm -hmm. so, so other than that, 
he's not treading on anyone's feet. He's not, he, he's actually feeding our industry, like literally feeding it. James, you know, probably doesn't do much PT now, if any. Uh, you know, he started as a PT. He's, you know, he's evolved into this character and this character who, who dismisses um, stuff out, out there that probably needs dismissed a lot of the time. You know, he, he has a very distinctive style to him and a very distinctive, and again, probably a very similar demographic to what Joe's is. But people like that no-nonsense approach, which is what he's got. But is he throwing stuff out there that's, that's, that's perhaps a little bit out there or a little bit incorrect or a little bit... For the most part, I'd like to say no, he doesn't. And, and most of it is actually helping our industry get a bit more clarity. And ultimately, you know, people might go and follow him and people might, you know, do his online program. But where do you think they go after that? <laughs> they go to PTs. So when people say to me, the PT business is dead, listen, <laughs> it's thriving. Yeah. And, you've got, and you've got all these people that, that, that so much of the industry is talking negatively about are feeding the hell out of it. They're basically introducing people to personal training, whether yeah. we like it or whether we don't. So all of a sudden, these people and these personalities, and don't get me wrong, I mean, you've picked two people there that I think are doing a good job. Yeah, well, to be fair to Jason, yeah. like uh, he was joking. We've done episodes on these guys before in the past, and we speak very yeah. highly of them. Like what they do in the industry is amazing. I think it's also to do with intent as well. Like as long as these people are, are really out there trying to improve the health of the of their demographic, then and they're doing it in a fairly sensible way, which I think both of them are. Then you can't really knock it too much. Um, so I just kind of wondered what your thoughts were on, especially for personal trainers, like looking to get into the industry now, where they think that they can just kind of start up a social media page, start advertising the services, and stuff comes to their if you can't engage with an organic audience, you can pay as much money as you want. Your, the algorithms and the way that social media works, they're not gonna, they're gonna find people that you can categorize by age or you know, demographic or area or whatever it might be. But ultimately these people know nothing about you. So, so you've got to be able to communicate. And communication is, you know, uh, they did a thing at one of the, one of the massive sports uh, sort of performance conferences not so long ago in America. They said, what's the one skill that you'd all want to learn more about? Is it sports science? Is it this, that, the other, blah, blah, blah. They all came back and said communication. It's the greatest skill they've got, communication. And, and it's how you do it. It's your style. It's, you know, it's characters. And again, it's the same thing. I look at you two, you know, you're presented very differently on a screen. You know, you've got your vest on, you've got your, 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 your mohawk going on, you've got your hat on, you've got your branding, you've got your, your headphones on, you've got your little AirPods. So from all those things, I'm forming a view of you. And from that view, I'm trying to then think, how would be the best way of communicating with you, Jason, and how would be the best way of communicating with you, Michael? Michael, I would, I would give you more information. I think you need... You're probably very analytical. I, I would, I would, I would want to give you more information about whatever it is that you're signing up for, or you know, you probably look at the details and you read them and blah blah blah. Jason, you're probably more about that. Boom. You know, you want to know what. You know, I'll say to you, yeah, this is awesome, and this is, you know, this does this and blah blah blah, and this person's doing it, and you should be doing it as well, and you know, just show me a video of the rock, and I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, but this is this is how do people get influenced? And you know, I did some consultancy with a gym in London. And for those same reasons, they have two sites. They have one in one which was in Canary Wharf, which is a, a huge financial district. Everybody's very straight laced, and, you know, blah blah blah. But everybody's about performance. You know, that's what that kind of area is about: performance. People like competition. 
So if you create something that's quite competitive, people sign up to it. This is why a lot of the, the, the fitness modalities in those areas, there'll be a lot of people doing Peloton and things like this because they can compete, right? And then the other one was in, in Soho, which is a very arty, very creative, very, you know, this kind of hub. So, you know, I said, so when you employ your trainers, you've got to think about what kind of character they are and where, which site will suit them best. If you've got some views, you know, Jason, I would put you in Soho. Michael? You being Canary Wharf. Can you imagine me you in Canary Wharf, though? Yeah, but do you understand why I would do that? Mm-hmm. Of course, because yeah, your, definitely. Your, your, your physical appeal, immediate appeal, would be to different demographics. Not to say that that's wrong. You know, Jason, I could put you in Canary Wharf. You might absolutely thrive. It would just take them a little while to get to know you. But we've got to go at, you know, and, and often coaches don't have that choice. Right. What's up now? <laughs> so oh, I'm going to enjoy hearing your intro to this. <laughs> <laughs> what do I even say? <laughs> well, mate, what you could, what you could just say. read what you've written down. Yeah. What you could say is you could start with Jason. Our last two guests. What do these two guys possibly have in common? <laughs> so our final section of the show, we have two guests, uh, a six-pack Lolly and Lewis from Graham's Cafe in Edinburgh. I'm not sure what these two guests have in common, Jason. Uh, please throw me a line here and help me out. I thought it was that they were both called six-pack, <laughs> six-pack Lolly and six-pack Lewis. Uh, obviously, one of them is more accurate than the other. Um, we probably could have made a joke about weight loss, couldn't we? Because obviously, Anthony Lolly, um, he was the, I hesitate to use the word star, he was the star of an Amazon Prime documentary about how he lost a load of weight and became a pro bodybuilder. And of course, Lewis from Grams uh, has Grams in the name. <laughs> so there was that and I think the reason that we've coupled these two together Mitch and you can stop me if uh, you think this is wrong um, it's because they were the only two left <laughs> no I'm just kidding I'm just kidding I think they're a good example I think they're a good example of a couple of guests we had a bit of fun with we get to find out why it's called Grams we also get to find out how both of us uh, said the, the name of his new place wrong and with Anthony Lolly. Um, you know what, Mitch? I listening back to to that. I actually enjoyed it more than I thought I would. He goes into a little bit of detail about how the people around you they're going to make or break you. They're going to define uh, whether you're going to be successful, whether it be in the gym or in business. Um, and he also talks, you know, tragically about his trainer. His trainer passed away just before his competition. But apart from those two sound bites, it really was just a kind of blind rolling down a hill wasn't it of an interview he was he was some guy let's just say that he was and i think another reason that we put these two together is they both have kind of a a good personal journey that they both shared um very different journeys uh between the two um and yeah as you said six pack lolly had a very successful amazon documentary i think it was number one within the fitness fitness section on amazon i think it was um, and Lewis had some some good sound bites on things like veganism, the Game Changers documentary, and just kind of general promoting of vegan food uh, without preaching um, or harassment. So I think people will take a lot away from both of these interviews, despite our jokes along the side. Good way to end it, isn't it, Mitch? 
Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, here's our last two guests of our best of the guests episode. We hope you enjoy. Just the fitness tip. I would start off quickly, more of a kind of, I guess, a personal inquiry. Uh, at the start of the documentary, I noticed you're obviously, uh, you, you, your main business was, was real estate to start with, and uh, you managed to, to get a little bit of public uh, publicity uh, saying that if your uh, employees got the logo of your business tattooed on them, you would increase their salary by 15%. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Yeah, when a story went internationally viral, I had over 105 people that worked for me tattooed the company logo on their body. I had grandmothers that were real estate agents. Well, my question, Anthony, was going to be, is that deal still available? <laughs> I've still got some space, so I don't know. You know, I think that you really need to change your circle. You're the average of the five people. You don't want the blind leading the blind. So... You just, you should really try to find friends in the fitness industry. They say, if you're the smartest guy in the room, uh, you're, you're in a bad room, you know, because you're not going anywhere. It's the same thing. If you're the fittest guy in the room, you're in danger. So you really want to be in a room where you're not the most fit and everybody else has healthy habits. And then you start conforming and adapting to that. So that's first and foremost. A lot of people are afraid to lose friends and 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 you're not losing them just like you can freeze a gym a gym membership freeze your f friendship you know for the time period and then find new people you know and that's where you'll get to learn a lot of new things one of the uh, the people that, that you've mentioned uh was francisco who was your trainer who sadly was involved in a car accident um, and it was very very close to your competition time um, and obviously a lot of people will be able to relate with that in terms of having personal tragedy and it derailing their kind of uh, fitness journey. I was wondering if you could speak to what kept you motivated because obviously you went on and, and you even said uh, in the film that, that you were kind of almost using it as motivation to keep going. You have to because, you know, when your fitness is a very routine Groundhog's Day type of thing. You know, you're doing a lot of the same things and you start becoming superstitious. You want to use the same wraps because those wraps help you do those deadlifts and, you, you know, the same belt and the same this and the same that. And so, you know, the chemistry I had with Francisco was insane. And uh, when, when he passed away, I had to say to myself, I can let this, you know, get in my head or I can do what I know he wanted, would have wanted me to do, you know? And I thought it was important for me because I know he had a wife and children to uh, show off his work and his, his accomplishment through my accomplishment and put something to completion that his children can reference to for the rest of their life, you know? And, and, then, and you know, having put him in the documentary I had his kids in mind, you know, where they can talk about it in the future. So it wasn't just about me. It was about, you know, what I know I would want somebody to do and, uh, and to give me credit for if I had passed away and how I would want my kids to view me as, some, as a great man that did something for another great man. So I, had, I felt I had those, those lifelong responsibilities on my shoulders. We are going to by our good friend Lewis, who is uh, owner slash co-owner of uh, Graham's Cafe and soon to be in Plant Bay. I'm going to get the name wrong again. Uh, Lewis, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, we're good. I love how you kind of look slightly terrified about today. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know what to expect. I've listened to all your podcasts, and I know I get slagged every episode. So, uh. yeah. I mean, it's all in jest. Uh, as a side note, we are we are good friends with Lewis, um, and we we also love his cafe and food. Uh, but yeah, you are the pit of a lot of jokes on this podcast, mainly because you do CrossFit. Yeah, yeah, and I'm injured quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know why. Um, yeah, yeah. unrelated. Her <laughs> <Poor> diet. <laughs> Slight sound issues from Jason. He's looking very puzzled, but we're going to power on like the true professionals that we are. Uh, yeah, like dreadful. Uh, true Whoa! You might, you might want to turn it down, Jason, because we're getting feedback. <laughs> a nice echo. Is that a joke? I don't know. No, I think uh, I think I just shouted excitedly now that I'm back. Okay. I think we get we're getting a slight bounce back of sound. So if you can like turn it down. Are you using headphones for the sound in? I can cut this out. Don't worry. No, leave us in. Can you hear Keep me? In. This is this is the I most think... interesting bit. This is this is how the sausage is made, which is a yeah. very good segue into finding out. Um, Lewis, what I really want to know: where does the name Grams come from? At the time, I was very into like tracking my macros and stuff. So everything you do is like how many grams of fat, protein, carbs, how many grams of you know, chicken are you putting on your plate, veg, etc. So, if I'm honest, I thought it might be a little bit more uh, illicit. It might yeah. be to do with how you made money at university. But I'm quite <laughs> glad to hear that it's all above board. <laughs> we, we got a lot of people asking that. <laughs> Excuse me, mate. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, but it's true. So kind of like bring you back to like the, the vegetarian and vegan aspects. Like I think we do have to give like a little bit of credit to uh, crappy documentaries. <laughs> Jason's laughing at me now. The the different documentaries that are on Netflix that we absolutely hate with they're full of utter nonsense, but they have kind of uh, raised awareness about the benefits, like health benefits mainly of uh, and environmental impact too of plant based food. So I'm assuming that's probably like in the back of your mind. All these things just kind of really annoy me. Like the way they go about doing things, uh, game changers. It's like it's all very like cutthroat. You're you're dying by eating meat, and you know it's killing your body. It's like focus more on the facts. There's enough facts out there for it to be a good good enough reason to stop eating as much meat. That's what we kind of want to do with plant based. It's like it's not sort of like shove it down your throat and eat vegetables or your shit. It's more just like. <laughs> You know, try and make, try and make this. <laughs> that talk. should be your tagline. <laughs> <laughs> Eat vegetables or your shit. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's like about making like these small changes and like trying to like, you know, get there because like, people have this like idea where they think it's all going to change. You know, if I post something on Instagram, it someone it will read it and they'll change and stop eating meat. For most of the people, it doesn't work like that. So you've got to like create these small changes and like kind of like slowly educate people and be like, oh. I just had like some really nice waffles at Grams. They were totally plant-based. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, if that's plant-based, then what really am I missing that much? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I can reduce what I mean. I think a lot of people are turned off by the kind of evangelical approach that a lot of vegans have. As you say, where it's very kind of cut and dry. It's either this is the right way to eat or this is the wrong way to eat. Um, and something that I'm quite interested in is this idea of Obviously, I don't know if we've mentioned that Lewis does CrossFit. Um, I mean, I'm quite interested in is if you do CrossFit and own a vegan restaurant, which do you tell people about first? 
Because obviously you want it, you want to tell everybody. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But it is true. Like, there's that thing, isn't there, where it's like you kind of, if you're vegan, it, there's very much a kind of um, self righteousness attached to it, attached to it. And I'm obviously making a generalisation there. I think what you're doing is quite good, Lewis, with with Plant Bay. Um, I'm I'm cool enough to understand what it says. Uh, unlike Mitch, you thought it was Plant B. Um, <laughs> I just had to rumble him um, for the under twenty five crowd. But, Lewis, I think I'd be remiss uh, if I didn't ask you, why Plant B? Plant B! Oh, no! Oh. <laughs> Rumbled. That wasn't even a bit. Why Plant B? So is it is it more to do with what you're trying to say about this affectionate approach to veganism? I've just answered it for you, haven't I? That'll do, yeah. <laughs> Better than what I was going to say. Like, what is it, what's it like running a health food cafe in a major city? I know that might sound like a very broad question, I know. Yeah, so, um, I mean, we get, like, people coming in and, like, I mean, it would be similar things to what you hear from, like, clients. Um, people saying they're on a low-carb diet and then ordering a smoothie bowl, which is basically fruit. Yeah. Or, like, completely fruit. You try and explain it to them and, like, sometimes they're just, they're not into it. It's like, well, no, my, my PT told me this or I saw it on TV, so it's fact. Oh, like the gluten one is one that comes up all the time. People, I, have you got gluten-free this? And it's like, oh, no, sorry. And it's like, oh, it doesn't matter. I'll have it anyway. And it's like, well, <laughs> did you need it to not be gluten-free? Yeah. Or? We try and, like, describe ourselves as quite an inclusive cafe because we, we offer, like, vegan food, vegetarian food. Like, pretty much everything's gluten-free. Uh, most of it's dairy-free. Like, if there's a sauce, we try and, like, make it out of cashews and things like that. Um, and we get people coming in, they're just like, Oh, is it nut free as well? And it's like, come on, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make the, everything like as accessible as possible. Um, yeah, just a bit of ice. That's all you yeah. can. Yeah, it's also joy free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's hard. It's really hard, um, especially if you are doing like counting macros and stuff like that. Is it takes a lot of time. Like you can't just like make a recipe and start chucking things in. Like, you've got to weigh everything out. Like almost all the recipes are like in grams. Like, Is that why you're called Grams? <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. I'm wondering, I'm wondering how Very many times we could fit that joke into this episode. <laughs> as many as it takes. I'm never mentioning Grams again. And that wraps up our best of the guests episode. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. And I think you'll agree that we've had some fantastic chats within the podcast so far. And we're really excited to bring you some even more uh, interesting discussions in the future. Yeah, Mitch, I, I definitely enjoyed it. And it's not just because it was me and you talking. Um, it, it was genuinely, as I say, some really good stuff in there, really interesting, really informative, and really fun. Um, but guys, let us know what you thought. You know, I had a few people, uh, I say a few people, I had one person say that we didn't <laughs> include what we didn't include their favourite guest. Um, it was Dan, Dan from Dan and Jason. He was telling me that we didn't include him. Um, so if we missed out your favourite guest, let us know. Um, but more importantly, let's look to the future, Mitch. Can't always look backwards, can we? This episode's over now. Who would you like to see on the show next? We're uh, we're planning stuff. We're plotting. We're getting in touch with people. Maybe Obama. Maybe not. Might not he's, be Obama. He's, he's not big time enough. Exactly. I mean, maybe yeah, maybe ten years ago. Let us know. Let us know who you think, and we'll be back with more guests shortly, won't we? We will indeed. So thank you so much for listening, guys. You can reach out to Jason on Instagram. It's at Jason Pro Unicyclist. I've made him very happy by saying that. Or me, it's Michael Ujoa PT on Instagram. 
Thank you so much for listening. This has been our best of the guest episodes of Just the Fitness Tip with Michael Ujoa and Jason Ald, Edinburgh's number one fitness podcast. And we'll see you again next week. Keep on tipping.